Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, good morning, uh, everybody. Welcome to, to Kindred. If I haven't met you before, my name is Daniel and I'm the, the pastor here. It's, uh, it's good to be in worship together today. Uh, our scripture reading for this morning comes from uh, Luke chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 21 and 22. And it says this, When everyone was being baptized, uh, Jesus also was baptized. While he was praying, heaven was opened And the Holy Spirit came down on him in bodily form like a dove. And there was a voice from heaven that said, You are my son, whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, I don't know what your experience of high school was like. I don't know where you happen to rank on the the social hierarchy. Um, Back in high school, um, I was uh, never really one of the popular kids. I know that's pretty shocking to to believe. Clearly, I became a lot cooler later in life. Uh, But back in high school, um, I was pretty average in a lot of different ways. Uh, My grades were pretty average. My looks were pretty average. I was probably uh, a little above average at sports, but not to the point that I like really excelled, you know. Um, socially, I had a great group of friends, and, and I'm really grateful for that, but um, all of them were, were pretty much like me, pretty pretty average. And uh, I'm an Enneagram 3, so like I don't want to be average, I want to be above average at, at like everything. Uh, so I tried not to admit to myself that, that I was average, but looking back, I was, I was pretty average. Uh, well, one day I had this experience, um, this was around my junior year, and uh, I was sitting in class at my desk, and class hadn't started yet, so kids were just kind of talking and, and hanging out, getting ready for the teacher to, to start class. And it just so happened that on that day, uh, this, this group of like more popular kids, kids that I normally wouldn't have really like socialized with much, um, they just happened to be sitting like all around me, all around the desk where I was. And they were talking, and I, for the most part, I just kind of quietly listened to their conversation. And at a certain point, uh, I decided to, to chime in. And I think I made a joke or, or something. And, and a couple of the kids laughed. Um, but I remember that as soon as I spoke, there was this one of these popular girls. And she straightens up. And she looks at me with this look of disgust. Like, you know, how dare someone like you, someone so average, have the nerve to, to speak into our little popular kid conversation. So she looks at me with, the, with this kind of look. Uh, and, and she goes, who are you? Who are you? Well, then everybody looks at me to see how am I going to respond to this belittling kind of question, right? And, and I'm trying to think of some great comeback that will help me like save face. You know, unfortunately, my comeback skills were also pretty average. And so I couldn't think of anything great to say in this moment. Uh, fortunately, um, about that time, class started and, and the moment passed and, and everybody moved on. Um, but if I'm honest, that girl's question hit a nerve with me that day. Who are you? And I knew that I I shouldn't care what this girl thought of me, but nevertheless, her her question left me kind of wondering the the same thing. Who am I? You know, she she implied that in some important way, I wasn't good enough, that that I wasn't worthy. And and I found myself questioning the same thing. Am I worthy? Am I good enough to to be accepted and and to belong and to be uh, approved of and, and all of that? 
Well, I shared that story with us this morning because I think that many of us have probably had a similar experience before, and and not just in high school, um, but it can happen to us at at different stages in our life, that that somebody says something to us or we go through an experience and it leaves us questioning our self-worth and sometimes even doubting our self-worth. Right? Like for some of us, um, this is something that we, we only struggle with on occasion. But I think there are others of us who this is something that we struggle with pretty frequently, maybe on an ongoing basis. Uh, for some of us, maybe it's career related that we keep getting passed over for the promotion. Or maybe there was a certain point when, when we got let go from a job. And it's like there's a voice saying, who are you? you know, you're just not good enough. Uh, maybe for some, for some of us, it's something related to our appearance that we, we look in the mirror and uh, it's like there's this voice saying, who are you? You're, you're just not good enough. Maybe for others of us, um, it happens when we're on social media and we're scrolling through and we see all of these people and they look so happy and they're doing so much and their lives just seem better than our lives. And it can be like there's this voice saying, who are you? You're, you're just not good enough. Uh, sadly, I know that some of you have been made to, to feel like you weren't good enough, like you weren't worthy because of an experience that you had within the church, that some church or, or some preacher told you at some point that unless you change who you are, you're not worthy of being fully included in the church. Or unless you change who you are, you're not worthy of, of God's love, perhaps. And there may be some of you that have been told specifically that you're not worthy of God's love because of your sexual orientation or because of your gender identity. And I know I've mentioned this in, in recent sermons uh, a lot here recently, but I think it's worth repeating to all of our LGBT brothers and sisters and, and siblings, uh, if you've ever been excluded from a church because of your identity, because of your orientation, I'm so, so sorry for that. I can't imagine truly how painful that must have been. I think you're so incredibly brave for even coming back into a, a church space after an experience like that. But we want you to know that here at Kindred, uh, we love you. And we don't just welcome you here, but, but we affirm you. We, we think you're a blessing to our community, and we're so glad that you're with us. We're, we're so glad that you're with us. So it can happen to us in, in different ways, um, but, but sometimes in life, we, we go through things that, that leave us questioning our self-worth. We, we go through things that leave us doubting whether we're good enough. Uh, and not only is it very painful when we we go through something like that? But it can also become uh, very destructive in our lives because sometimes we will do some really harmful things to try to numb that feeling of worthlessness, right? Uh, Sometimes what that means for us is that we kind of turn on others and we lash out at others and we try to tear them down. Uh, Sometimes what it means is is that we try to numb that feeling of worthlessness by drinking too much or by looking at pornography or by, uh, I don't know, abusing prescription drugs. I mean, it could be any number uh, of things. And, you know, I'm not trying to get up in your business. I know you didn't tune into this today for a a therapy session, Um, but but I think many of us know exactly what we do when that feeling of of worthlessness starts to, to creep up within us. And and oftentimes, if we're honest, we can turn to things that are pretty harmful. Now, I think in those moments, we don't want to do stuff that's harmful to ourselves or or to others. We don't want to be destructive, but sometimes we we just don't know what else to do. And sometimes we don't know where else to turn. And so this morning, I just want to talk for a little bit about what else we can do. And I want to talk for a little bit about uh, where we can turn, where we're, we're in that place, when we're questioning our self-worth and, and we're doubting whether we're, whether we're good enough. Now, as it turns out, um, as it turns out, uh, God knows that this is something that we humans struggle with. 
Um, and God cares about us, and so God gives us help with this. Um, as most of you probably know, you know, as, as Christians, uh, we believe that in Jesus, uh, God actually became a human being. Uh, and we believe that Jesus is fully divine, fully God, but Jesus is also fully human. And, and part of what that means is that just like us, Jesus faced this very same struggle in his life. Uh, that, that even Jesus, you may be surprised to know this, even Jesus went through things that challenged his sense of self-worth. Uh, he went through things that had different people and, and different circumstances telling him, who are you? Who are you that, that you're not good enough? And so this means that we have a God who knows what all of this feels like. And yet, as we look at Jesus's life, what we can see is that Jesus was able to, to overcome all of that. Jesus didn't let those, those doubts and those questions get the best of him, or, or, or they didn't, he didn't allow it to, 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 to cause him to do things that were destructive, um, but, but he remained true to himself, and he remained true to his mission, and he remained true to, to God's calling on him. And there was one moment in particular in Jesus's life that helped him to do that. Uh, there was one moment in particular that helped Jesus to, to guard his sense of self-worth. So I want to look at that moment with you this morning for a little bit here, because uh, what Jesus experiences in this story um, actually also applies to us as well. And this gives us something that we can lean on. And this gives us something that we can turn to when we're in that place of, of questioning our self-worth and doubting whether or not we're good enough so that we don't have to turn to something that's destructive. Uh, so as we look at this story, you know, a couple weeks ago we celebrated Christmas, um, and obviously at Christmas, Jesus is a baby. So for this story today, we got to fast forward about 30 years. Uh, and at this point, Jesus is now an adult, and he's just about to begin his public ministry. He's just about to begin that work of going around preaching and teaching and healing and doing miracles and all the things Jesus is, is famous for. And Jesus decides that before he, he launches that, that new public ministry, uh, there's something that he's, he's got to do first. And he decides to go and pay a visit to his cousin, who is John the Baptist. Some of you know about John the Baptist, but for a little bit of background, uh, John was a preacher. And John's job, John's calling, was to get people ready for this new movement that God was going to launch through Jesus. And uh, to do this, John would go out by the Jordan River, which is like the main river in that, in that region. And, uh, and he would preach, he would preach these, these fire and brimstone kind of sermons, but they were moving in and they were powerful. And John would call people to, to repent. That is to, to align their, their hearts, to align their lives with God so that they would be ready for this new thing that God was about to do. And after, after John would uh, you preach these, these powerful messages, he would call people to come and actually get into the river and get baptized. And that baptism was a, a sign of their being cleansed of their sins and of their realigning their hearts and lives with God. Uh, so one day, John is out there by the river, you know, doing his thing, preaching, baptizing folks. And uh, this, this one man uh, comes forward for, for baptism and, and John looks up. And he realizes that this man who's just come forward for baptism is actually Jesus himself. 
And so John's like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, John's like, Jesus, uh, there is no way I'm going to baptize you. I mean, you don't need to be baptized. For one thing, you don't have any sin to repent of. Uh, for another thing, you don't need to realign yourself with God. I mean, you are God. So John's like, if anything, Jesus, you should be baptizing me. I'm not comfortable with this. Um, but Jesus insists, and he's like, no, John, we got to do this. Uh, th- this will fulfill all righteousness, Jesus says. In other words, John, this is going to be a, a super important moment for me. This is going to be a super important moment for everyone. So, so just do it. Uh, well, John finally uh, agrees and uh, he takes Jesus and, and plunges Jesus under the water. And, and as Jesus is coming up out of the water, uh, this incredible thing happens. Uh, we can try to, to visualize this as best we can. Um, we're, we're told that the, the heavens opened, whatever that looks like. And then the, the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove and, and rests on Jesus. And then we hear this voice that comes from heaven. It's the voice of God the Father. And, and oftentimes we, we read right past this when we look at this story, but, but I don't want us to read past this. We, we need to pay attention to, to what God the Father says to Jesus in this moment at his baptism. Uh, God the Father says this to Jesus, You are my son, whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness. You are my son, whom I dearly love. In you, I find happiness. Do you see what's going on here? Uh, We're hearing God the Father affirming Jesus's identity in the strongest possible way. God the Father is saying to Jesus, you are my child, and like a perfect parent, I love you, not because of anything you've done or anything you haven't done, but, but I love you simply because of who you are. And I find happiness in you simply because of who you are. So don't you ever forget that, the Father is saying to Jesus, that you are loved and you are mine. And regardless of what anyone else tries to tell you, regardless of what anything in this world tries to tell you, that is your true identity and that is who you really are. Well, not long after Jesus' baptism, uh, he does go on to to begin his public ministry. He starts going around preaching and teaching and healing and miracles and and all that that stuff. Uh, As best we can tell, Jesus spent about three years doing that. And throughout that time, there were certainly good times that Jesus enjoyed. But, But at the same time, throughout his public ministry, Jesus also faced tons of criticism. Jesus faced adversity. Uh, Jesus faced threats on his life. Uh, People were constantly telling Jesus that he was a fraud. Um, At times, Jesus' own closest followers didn't understand a word he was saying. At other times, his own closest followers didn't believe in him anymore. And people were constantly telling Jesus, you know, look at you, Jesus. You're not a real king. You don't have an army. You don't have a palace. You don't have any sort of geographical place that is your kingdom as far as we can tell. People were constantly telling Jesus, you're not the savior of the world. I mean, look at you. You're just a random nobody from from the middle of of nowhere. And then in the end, Jesus uh, faces the the ultimate rejection in his death on a cross. And and as some of you remember, you know, this, this crowd gathers around to mock Jesus and to taunt him even as he dies. People are shouting mean things at him. Things like, who are you? Who are you? And yet, and yet, uh, what we see, as I said before, is that Jesus was able to overcome 
all of that. We can imagine as Jesus was going through all of that, that that at times he was tempted to question his self-worth. At times he was tempted to, to doubt whether or not he was good enough, and yet he stayed true to himself and to God and, and to his mission. And, and why? Well, I think at least one reason why was because he remembered, he hung on to those words that were spoken over him at his baptism, right? And so he remembered that his true identity is a beloved child of God. He remembered that that's his God-given identity, and he, he knew that no matter what, his, his worth was, was rooted in that. And he knew that nothing could take that away, not not other people, not any adversity that he faced, not even death itself. Nothing, nothing, nothing could take away his true identity as a beloved child of God. Well, obviously, um, you are not Jesus, and obviously I am not Jesus, but one of the reasons that Jesus came into this world and and lived and died and rose again um, is to show us to show you, to show me, that, that this very same thing applies to us as well. Um, that we too are each a beloved child of God. Now, we are not the, the capital S Son of God in the way that Jesus is. We're not divine, of course, but nevertheless, each of us is a child of God. And this story of Jesus' baptism, it helps us to see what that means for us. It helps us to see that, that God loves you and God loves me not because ultimately of anything that we've done or haven't done, but, but God loves us simply because of who we are. That, that God finds happiness in you simply because of who you are. That doesn't mean that God is always happy with your choices, right? That doesn't mean that God's always happy with, with everything that you do. But nevertheless, God finds happiness in you simply because of who you are. Are. And that means that no matter what anyone in this world tries to tell you, no matter what any of your experiences in this world try to tell you, you are a beloved child of God. And that will never, ever, ever change. If you get nothing else from this sermon, I hope that you will remember that, that you are a beloved child of God. And that will never, ever, ever change. Now, I hope that that comes uh, as an encouraging message. I hope that you find that liberating. It, it certainly is. But here's what I know about you, and, and here's what I know about me as well. That, that at some point, probably in the not-too-distant future, somebody's going to say something to us. Or we're going to go through uh, some kind of tough experience, and, and all of a sudden, uh, that, that same question is going to bubble back up within us. That question of, who are you? Who are you? And suddenly we're going to find ourselves questioning all over again our self-worth. And when we find ourselves in that place, we're going to need to be reminded of this, right? We're going to need to be reminded that our worth is rooted in God's unconditional love and that this is where we need to turn, not to something harmful, not to something destructive. And, And God knows that this is something that we need to be reminded of. God knows that we need to hear this over and over and over again. And that's part of the reason that God calls us into community together. Uh, That's part of the reason that God calls us in particular into this church community together. Because church, when we do it right, church is this community where we can come uh, and, and be reminded over and over and over again where we can come and remind each other over and over again of who we really are and of whose we really are. 
Uh, in fact, this is one reason that uh, today we are actually launching our in-person weekly worship service at the AMC Classic Theater in Durham because we feel called to create this, this physical space where anybody and everybody can, can come on a weekly basis and come together and, and remind each other of who we really are and of whose we really are. So if you're tuning into this today and you don't already have a church home where you belong, if you don't already have a church family in your life that you're a part of, I want to invite you to come and, and join us here at Kindred. Keep coming back uh, to worship, whether in person or online. We'd love to meet you in person if you're up for that. Uh, keep coming back. Uh, get involved. Get connected with our community. Um, and as you do that, I promise it's going to make a difference in your life. I promise it's going to make a difference in your self-worth. I promise it's going to help you to respond more fully to the unconditional love of God that is in your life. And not only is that going to make your life better, but it's going to make our whole community better and it's going to make our world better as well. Let me pray for us. Uh, gracious and loving and, and merciful, compassionate God, we thank you so much that you're a God who knows us so intimately, that you're a God who cares about us so deeply, that you're a God who shares in our struggles, God. Uh, and so that we know that, that you know that the struggle that we sometimes go through of questioning our self-worth, of, of doubting whether we're, we're good enough, God, you know how painful that can be. You know how hard that can be. And we thank you that you care about us enough to offer us help, that you care about us enough to affirm our identity in the strongest possible way, to, to claim us as your own children, that, that you love, not because of anything we've done or, or haven't done, but simply because of who we are and, and who you created us to be. God, it's so easy for us to forget that that's our true identity because there are so many voices in our lives. There's so many voices in the world telling us that that's not true. God, help us to know that it is true. Lord, we thank you for this gift of, of church community where we can come together and, and speak these words over each other over and over again. We can remind each other over and over again that our worth is rooted in your unconditional love. God, I especially lift up anybody this morning who is in the place right now where they're really struggling over their self-worth, really doubting whether they're good enough. God, would you make this message real for them today? Um, and God, strengthen our whole community so that we can be about this work faithfully um, because we know that as we share love with one another, that ripples out not only into our lives, but, but into the world around us as well. Uh, so we thank you for all of this, God, and we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Listeners, this free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. You're giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website, as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.